Hey, what's up? My name is Stephen, and I lead Avenue Church in Murfreesboro, Tennessee, along with my wife and an incredible team. We really have a desire to see people experience God's unconditional love, find their true identity in Christ, and live out their purpose. And we would love to connect with you. You can find us on all social media platforms simply by searching Our Avenue Church. You can also check us out online by going to OurAvenueChurch.com. We really pray that something in this message inspires and equips you to experience the way of life you were created to live in Christ. Enjoy. Let's, let's dive in. Um, forgotten values part two. We're going to talk about honor today. Can we do that? Um, honor is something I think that is missing in today's culture. Would you agree? We live in a cancel culture where regardless of your position, regardless of your view, we will cancel you if you disagree with me. Um, that is not what the body of Christ is called to do. We are called to stand on our faith and our beliefs, but we're called to love, to serve, and to honor everyone in the process regardless, right? We don't shy away from our faith, but we honor the people and the places and the things that we see in front of us as a result of the relationship we have with Christ. Okay, And, and thinking about um, honor, one of the first things that I remember um, Hearing that word was the honor roll. Do we have any honor roll folks from back in the day, right? Um, you had the honor roll and then you had the principles list. So, some folks like, yeah, mid, right? Some of you were like, why, why are you bringing up my past trauma, Stephen, right? But, but I remember seeing these bumper stickers that said, my son is an honor roll student at whatever school. Um, we, I never got those, not because I wasn't an honor roll student, because my school didn't have them. But what I loved was seeing my kid can beat up your honor roll student at such and such school. I was always looking out for those parents and seeing who the kids were in those cars and staying away from them. But when you think about honor, it's, it's more than just an achievement. It's more than achievement. We, we look at someone to be honored as someone who's reached an achievement. And that's not necessarily what we see in Scripture. As a matter of fact, one of the first times we hear the phrase honor in Scripture is when we're getting the Ten Commandments. And it says that we are to honor your mother and who? Father, so that your days will be long in the land that I'm giving you. That comes from Exodus chapter 20, verse 12. Honor your mother and father so that your days will be long and full. Not just long, because some days, like, we don't want just a long life. Hello. I want a long and full life, not a long and empty life. But it says that your, your life will be long and full if you honor your parents. And, and when you look at, at these, these Ten Commandments and you kind of understand how they're broken down, the first four are how we should engage with God. You shall have, like, no other idols before me, right? Uh, do not take the Lord's name in vain. So the first four are how we interact with God. And then you have the fifth one that says honor your mother and father. And then the last five are how we interact with each other. Don't lie, don't cheat, don't steal, all those things, right? And so the first four are how we deal with our heavenly authority. And then our parents are our first place of earthly authority that God places in our life. And how we interact with God, how we honor our parents, help us navigate how we do the last five right? How we love people well in those ways. And so when we're talking about honoring, Paul says this in Romans chapter 12, verses nine and 10. He says, don't just pretend to love others. 
Anybody ever done that before? You don't have to look at me, right? Don't just pretend to love. Don't just pretend to like others. But he says, really love them. And we know what real love is, First John tells us. We know what real love is because Christ gave his life for us. So don't pretend, really love them. Hate what is wrong. Hold tight to what is good. Love each other with genuine affection and take delight in honoring each other. Take delight. That means you should enjoy honoring each other. And he's talking to the church in Rome, but it actually expands beyond just the walls of the church. And if you were to look up like this, the, the Greek word, I'm not really good at English, but let's try Greek, right? If you look up the Greek word for honor, it's the word teme. It's the word teme. And, and I have to say this just so I can get it out of my head. Um, when I was in college, my roommate watched South Park. And there was a character in South Park, his name was Timmy. And so every time I've been studying that this week, that's what I hear echo. So I got to get that to you so I can get it out of my head. The Greek word for honor is Timmy. Whatever helps you remember this, I'm good with. But what it means is it means to respect, to have respect, to be seen as precious. It means to have weight, to be weighty. But it says to have value to have value in the eyes of the beholder. And so having value for the things that we see, whether it's places, whether it's people, whether it's moments, whether it's an event, seeing the value that is in that, and to dishonor is, is atomos. To dishonor in Greek is atomos. To disgrace, to shame. And it says without recognized honor. So it's basically seeing like, like I see the thing in front of me. I see the person in front of me, but I don't see the value that is in it. And we'll talk about this throughout the message. Every person that you see, whether you agree with them, like them, know them, they have value. I want to say that again, and maybe you'll amen, all right? Every person that you see, whether you like them, know them, listen to them, they have value. Amen, amen right? And, and we're going to understand and unpack this as we go. And so Paul says that we're to love each other with genuine affection, take delight. But the NIV says it this way when it comes to honoring each other. It says, honor one another above yourselves. And so we see in, in Philippians chapter 2 where, where, where Paul says, um, don't just take an interest in yourselves always, but take an interest in other people. And then Paul is saying here, don't just honor people, but honor people at a level higher than yourself. And then the ESV, I like how, it, how this puts it for those of us who are competitors, it says to outdo one another in showing honor. And so the competition that should take place in the church is not who's the best, who's the most holy, who's the most righteous, the competition that should take place in the church is who can outdo each other of honoring one another. Not in a way of putting each other on a pedestal. That's not what we're called to do. Because you put somebody up on a pedestal, you're gonna be highly disappointed, right? We see that in culture. We put people up, and in one sense, we're honoring them, but it's placing them above God in our life. Does that make sense? And so we're to outdo each other in honoring each other higher than ourselves. Um, we can get competitive. And so honor is all throughout scripture. We see it from Genesis to Revelations. It's, it's, it's explicit sometimes. God says, honor your parents. He says, honor the marriage, honor your spouse, honor your kids. But then also a lot of it is implied when we talk about speaking well of people. 
that speak against us. When we talk about serving others, even though they might not serve us. When it talks about loving not just your friends, but loving your enemies, guess what all that is wrapped up in? It is wrapped up in honoring those. And so let's look at some areas and places in our life that, that, that we need to honor first as followers of Christ. The very first place we should start is we should honor God, right? We should honor God, and, and, and not just on Sunday mornings, not just in our small group time, not in our um, quiet times, but you know, different areas we honor God in is, is within our heart. We honor God in our heart. Uh, and Matthew 15 says that he's, he's speaking, Jesus is speaking to some religious leaders, and it says that, that they honor me with their lips, but their hearts are where? Far from me. And it's not just about giving lip service to God. It's not just about going through the motions and serving and doing all the right things. But if there's no place of honor for God in your heart, it's just lip service. We honor God also with our bodies. We're called, like scripture tells us, Paul says in 1 Corinthians, that, that we are, our bodies are the temple for what? The Holy Spirit. And that how we treat our body is... Is, is really, in some sense, how we're treating the Holy Spirit within us. And so we look at, like, diet when you're, like, not diet, like trying to lose weight, but as you're eating healthy and you're exercising, what you're doing is you're taking care of the temple that God has done, like, given you. The relationships that we're in, okay, if we're in a premarital relationship and we're maintaining a purity in that relationship, we're honoring our body, um, we're honoring God with our body. We're also to honor God with our wealth. Scripture says that we're to honor God with our wealth and the best, look at your neighbor and say best. best. I know that's scary. Best of our first fruits. <laughs> the best of our first fruits. And we don't talk about tithing a whole, a whole lot here. We encourage generosity. But when we honor God with our wealth, what we're doing is we're being generous back to the kingdom of God and understanding that everything that we have, guys, is not our own. Like we are stewards of it. Did a whole series on generosity. Go back and listen to it. And, and as you're being generous, what you're doing is you're honoring God with your wealth. And then with our worship. And with our worship, I'm not just talking about singing, even though that's great. I love coming together, worshiping with you guys. But it's worshiping like... Honoring God with our worship in all areas, with our time, with our talents, with our finances, with, with, with all of that. Because when we look at our paychecks, when we look at our, our calendars, our bank accounts, whatever gets the most attention, that is what we worship. And so we honor God with our worship. We honor our parents. We talked about this first commandment with a, with a promise. Um, what we learn as, as kids we don't really understand the concept of honor as kids. Toddlers, elementary age, you know, even middle and high schoolers, we don't really understand the concept of honor. What we're learning in that season is obedience. And as we learn obedience, once we get out of the house, we can look back and honor and be grateful for it once we become adults. Um, as parents, believe it or not, we have a responsibility to honor our kids. What does that look like? Don't look at your parents if you're sitting beside them. Okay, all right. I, I, I rarely quote this scripture because I don't want um, my kids to use it against me. Um, Ephesians chapter six, verse four says, don't provoke your children to anger, 
by the, but by the way that you treat them. Don't provoke them to anger. Other translations say don't be too harsh on them by the way that you treat them. But instead it says raise them up in the discipline and instruction that comes from the Lord. Um, you honor your kids when you listen to them. Like there's times that I ask my, my kids a couple of questions. Is like are there things that dad does that you wish he didn't do um, or did less of? And then there's times where I ask, are there things that dad doesn't do that you wish he did or did more of? And that does a couple of things. One, that gives them a safe place to like really to be able to share with me what's in their heart um, and gives me an opportunity to self-correct if I need to. Maybe I'm being too harsh. Maybe I'm not being harsh enough. But then it also gives me an opportunity to recast vision for our family, to recast vision for their life and, and, and redirect some things. But then parents, and those of you who are like going to be new parents, we're going to have a lot of those running around the next few months, right? Um, we dishonor our kids when we fail to discipline them. We dishonor them because we're, we're not treating them and helping them learn expectations and the difference between right and wrong because how they treat you and you allow them to treat you as a parent is how they will treat teachers and how they will treat future bosses, Right? I heard a quote, and I know there's exceptions to this, but if you raise your kids, you get to spoil your grandkids, right? If you spoil your kids, you might have to raise your grandkids, right? There is some, and I understand there's exceptions, but there's also a whole lot of truth to that because I've seen it played out. We have a responsibility to honor our, our kids' parents, both by listening, but also by disciplining. We know this, husbands and wives, we want to honor our spouse, Honor our spouse or our future spouse, if you're still single and holding on, right? Um, we want to honor our spouse or future spouse. How do we do that? Paul tells us in Ephesians 5 how we're to treat each other, how we're to submit, how we're to, how we're to follow, um, how we're to love husbands. And then even for those of you who are single, you can honor your future spouse with your current relationships or future relationships until you're married how you interact and, and how you walk within that relationship. If that person becomes your spouse, great, you've honored them. If you do not walk purely and, and wholly in that relationship, then you've dishonored your future spouse. I know we don't like that, right? But how we interact with our spouses is a representation of how Christ should be loving us and how the church supports Christ. Um, we honor uh, governmental authority, hello, um, every level of leadership. And I know this is like a hot topic. You feel like, like as a pastor, you, you can either say too much or not say enough for either party. Um, and let's just be honest, regardless of what party that um, you affiliate with, you're disappointed with people in your party, right? Let alone, it's hard to fully agree with people on the other side of the party. But we can still honor all leadership. Scripture says that, that all authority is put into place by who? God. And you will always hear me say this. I am thankful. I'm so thankful for the right that we have to vote. I believe that plays a role in it, but I also believe ultimately God places people in positions of authority for our good. If we don't like them, something he's trying to work out in us. Maybe it's learning to honor even when we disagree, right? You can disagree without dishonoring. Um, this one's a big one in my life. Honor spiritual authority. Honor spiritual authority. It feels weird talking about this as, as a pastor, 
but I don't think my team that knows me, I've never like said, you have to honor me, right? I'm, I'm running from it at times. But this has been one of the greatest things that has helped me in my life, not just in ministry, but just understanding how God works. If God sets up all governmental authority, you can bet he's setting up all spiritual authority. And let's just be honest, like sometimes church hurt is very real. But there are lessons that can be learned while, we'll, while we are serving under authority that may be a little toxic and maybe even hurtful. What is happening is, is we need to see them through the lens of how God sees them as broken, just like you and I, and understanding they have faults, just like you and I. Um, but you guys do an incredible job of honoring my family and I. Man, in October for Pastor Appreciation Month, our, our A-team gave us just a big box full of thank you cards. And it took us like a month and a half to get through them. That's something that you guys do naturally. And I think really it's because what my wife and I did when we moved here, before we had our first launch meeting, we honored some of the pastors that were already in the city. Because it can be real easy to be the new kid on the block to come in thinking that you know it all and that I'm starting a new thing and everybody's coming to my church. And then COVID happens and nobody's going to church, right? But what we did is we took crumble cookies and bunk cakes during the month of October to pastors that have been here 20 and 30 years before I got here. Who am I to say I know how to do it? They've been pastoring in this city almost as long, if not longer, than I've been alive. And so when we honor those that are in spiritual leadership, things begin to be unleashed and unlocked. And so um, we, we honor uh, this is this is a cool thing. Second Peter two seventeen. Sometimes Scripture makes it really, really, really clear that we are to honor. Is it on the screen yet? There we go. We are to honor who? Everyone. Honor everyone. And in case like you don't understand that, one of my mentors when I was a youth pastor, he uh, had this saying that he started almost every youth service with uh, calling out the champion and his kids, and he would say we're a champion, and then he would talk about we honor, we honor up down, all around. And so like that has just stuck with me. And at the beginning of every service, he would be like, guys, what do we do? We honor up, we honor down, we honor all around. All right, stand up, come on. For real, for real, for real, we're gonna do this. You guys are looking all stiff. We didn't do it first service, but we're gonna do it together second service. Some of you might not come back, but maybe you will. You ready? We didn't do it first service, here we go. All right, ready? We honor up, down, all around. No, you guys got to like put your chest into it. Like you mean, it, all right? All right, you got, you got to plie into it. All right, we honor what? We honor up, down, all around. Now high five your neighbor as you're seated. Come on. But that's what we do regardless. Man, it made me feel like I was a youth pastor again. Thank you. You can relive the good old days. Um, you talk about me when you leave, but that's okay, right? You got to honor spiritual authority. Don't do that. I'm just kidding. Um, but there is something special when we recognize honor. And look, I, I understand um, you asked the question like, well, Stephen, what do you do like if it's hard? What if, what if they've been dishonorable? What if they've been mean, cheating? You don't know what I've been through. You don't know what they've done to me. Am I supposed to treat them and honor them? Yes, we honor when it's hard. We honor up, down, all around, even when it's hard, not just when it's easy and not just when it's convenient. And one of the perfect pictures of this is found in the Old Testament in um, 1 Samuel, 1 and 2 Samuel. It's the story of David and Saul and Absalom. And Saul is the first king of Israel. He was appointed and anointed by God to be the first king. 
made some really bad decisions, turned away from the things of God. God anointed a second king, David. While Saul was still king, David was a teenager. As a shepherd boy, was anointed the next king. Saul got jealous of David um, because David defeated the, the giant and people started cheering for David and singing his praises and Saul got jealous. So he brought Saul in, or he brought David in into the palace and anytime Saul would get upset, David would, would play because he was a musician. He would play the lyre or the harp. And there's a couple of instances in 1 Samuel 24 and 26 where Saul is, is so overcome with jealousy and hatred and bitterness that he takes his spear and he tries to pin David to the wall while he's playing. How many of you have ever had a boss throw a knife at you? Anybody? Okay, that's crazy stuff. But David doesn't respond by pulling the spear out of the wall and throwing it back. He honors his leader and he leaves. And one of the most helpful books for me serving in ministry other than the Bible is this book called Tale of Three Kings. And it's the story of how David responds, not just to Saul, as Saul is his leader, but even how David responds in honoring, in one degree, his son Absalom as he tries to take over the palace and the kingdom. And one of the statements that's made, it says that, I'm going to make sure I get it right, it says, if you return thrown spears, then one day you will throw your own. If you return thrown spears, what does that mean? If someone is bitter and hateful at you and you return that bitterness and hateful to them without honor, one day you will throw your own bitterness and hatred. And so when, when we are dishonored, man, that is a great opportunity to honor them because the scripture says that no weapon formed against you will prosper doesn't say that the spear won't be thrown, that the weapon won't be thrown. But if you respond in the right way, that weapon will not prosper. That, that, that spear did not prosper in David's life because he didn't throw it back. He continued to honor Saul his entire life. Um, he even says this. There's a, there's, there's a couple of instances where after David has left the kingdom and Saul is so jealous that he's out trying to kill him. And David has a couple of opportunities to kill him. Once Saul is in a cave and he's using the restroom and David and his men are in the same cave and his men are like, hey, David, this is your chance. Go kill him. And so he sneaks in. I would have waited till dude left. I'm not interrupting, right? And so, but, but he sneaks in and he cuts the corner off of Saul's robe and then he's crushed in his spirit by what he's done. And then in, in chapter 26, Saul is asleep. David sneaks into the camp and takes the spear that's by Saul's head and takes the water jug that's by his head and leaves and he's grieved even by that, that he would just think about it. And this is what David says. He says, the Lord forbid that I should do this to my Lord King, talking about killing him. He says, I shouldn't attack the Lord's anointed one for the Lord himself has chosen him. He understood the spiritual authority, the governmental authority that Saul had and who placed him there. And it can be real easy to, to, to want to retaliate when those around us dishonor us. And now look, um, he goes on in um, 2 Samuel chapter 9. He continues, even after Saul's death to honor him. One day David asked, is anyone in Saul's family still alive? Anyone to whom I can show kindness for Jonathan's sake? Jonathan was Saul's son. And one of the servants says, Saul's grandson, Mephibosheth. Try to say that a lot with a dry mouth, right? Mephibosheth, 
Saul's grandson is still alive and he was crippled because of an injury. David said, go get him, bring him into my house, return any land that belonged to Saul to Mephibosheth and Mephibosheth will always eat at my table. Even in Saul's death, David was still honoring him. That's wild to think about. How many of you could say you could do that? I ain't inviting nobody's family. No, I'm just kidding, Lord. I'll try real hard. But that's hard. But God calls us to honor. Now, listen, I know some of us in here um, may have been in relationships, may have been um, in situations that were extremely harmful and abusive. I'm not telling you to go back into those relationships. God has placed boundaries and guardrails around you for a reason and for a season. But I do believe that he will also give us opportunities, maybe not to reconcile, but maybe to show honor, to show love, to serve. Because when we look at the life of Christ, is that not what he did? And is that not what he still continues to do in our life? I mean, for goodness sake, he washed, he washed the feet of the one who would betray him. When he could have been like, nope, I know what you're doing and just pass over. He still honored him amongst everyone else. And so I'm not saying put yourself in harm's way. But if God gives you the opportunity, it's an opportunity for him to do a work in your life and maybe in the heart of the one that you're showing honor to, right? And so when we look at this, like what, why do we honor? Um, let's look in Mark chapter six. These are the consequences of honor and dishonor. Mark chapter six, um, Jesus has returned to Nazareth to preach to heal. This is his hometown. This is where he grew up. Anybody like going home? Like, I remember the day I said, once I leave Adamsville, I'm never going back. Guess what happened four years later? I moved back for eight years. And then I said, God, I'm never going back to Jackson. Guess what happened? I went back to Jackson and spent seven years there. Never say never. Um, anybody else hear Justin Bieber when I said that? Anybody? Just me. Okay. Never say never. Okay. Um, so Jesus goes back to now. I'm sorry, guys. My, my brain goes to crazy places. Um, Jesus returns to Nazareth and it says the next Sabbath. So he's there on a Sunday. He began teaching in the synagogue and many who heard him were amazed. So he's teaching in his hometown and many who are listening, they're amazed at what he's saying. And they ask, where did he get all this wisdom and all this power to perform such miracles? But then verse three says, then they scoffed. He's just a carpenter. He's the son of Mary and the brother of James, Joseph, Judas, and Simon. And his sisters live right here among us. And they were deeply offended and refused to believe him. He's just a carpenter. He's the mother of Mary. What an insult. And you say, insult? No, when you're referring to a son, you would say it's Jesus, the son of Joseph, or it's Stephen, the son of Nelson. For them to say Jesus, the son of Mary, that was basically calling him a fatherless child. Grave insult. They had become so, like, who is this guy? Who does he think he is? We've watched him. He's 30 now, and he's going to do all these miracles and have all this wisdom. We know his sisters. We know his brothers. We played like in the backyard, we went to school with them. And so they become familiar with them. And Jesus makes this statement. He says, a prophet is honored everywhere except in his hometown and among his relatives and his own family. See, when we become familiar with people, it can be really easy to take them for granted. It can be real easy not to see the gifts on the inside of them. 
it can be real easy to, to kid and even dishonor them unknowingly, unintentionally. And that's what's taking place here because familiarity breeds contempt. And this is what verse five says. And because of their unbelief, because dishonor in this point has now birthed unbelief, he couldn't do any miracles among them except to place his hands on a few sick people and heal them. And he was amazed at their unbelief. Guys, this is one of two times where scripture describes Jesus being amazed. He was amazed when he saw the faith of Jairus and he was amazed when he saw the unbelief and the dishonor of the people in his hometown. And so when we look at this, it, it, it says that he wouldn't do any miracles. What did it say? It didn't say he wouldn't. It said what? He couldn't. He couldn't. How many of you know like couldn't is different than wouldn't? And he wouldn't, shouldn't, couldn't. He couldn't, okay? And I don't understand it. I don't understand how it worked, but, but something... Something prevented him from doing more miracles than what he did. You look at the chapter right before this, he's walking on water, he's feeding the thousands, he's healing like Jairus' daughter. The chapter after this, he's healing the woman with the issue of blood. But right here in this chapter, it says he could not perform many miracles because of their unbelief. And what happened is dishonor, familiarity, stirred up unbelief in them. So I don't know how it all works, but here's, here's what I can see happen. Honor enables the things of God. Dishonor disables the things of God. That when we honor the things of God, then, then his presence and his power and his provision just begins to flow in our life. When we honor those that, that, that God has placed around us, whether we agree with them or not, I believe like honoring people opens doors that nothing else can. When we do it for the sake of not not selfishly, let's pump the brake. Like you don't do it for selfish gain because if you do it for selfish gain, you've received all that you're going to get. But when we do it for the purpose of seeing value in them, then I think there are things that are enabled as a result of that. But when we dishonor our spouse, we dishonor our parents, dishonor our boss, dishonor authority, dishonor church leaders, like I'm, I'm on a couple of message boards for church planners. And this one guy is planning a second campus and, and he was having a conversation with a guy who was in leadership at another church. And he said that church wasn't treating him so well that he wanted to change churches. And I told the guy, anytime you, in the first couple of conversations, you're hearing from someone and they're talking about their previous or current church, you need to pump the brakes and back up. It's like going on a first date and all they want to talk about is their ex, right? All they want to talk about is their ex-girlfriend. There's still some hurt there that needs to be taken care of. And so we honor people. We honor people and it, it, it enables some things. We dishonor, it disables some things. So we said honor is value in the eyes of the beholder. Honor is value in the eyes of the beholder. And so I had this thought, like, why do we honor people? Um, when we honor others, think about this. When we honor others, regardless, we are honoring the one in whose image they are made and the price for which they were paid. I didn't mean for it to rhyme, but that's how it worked out, right? It's all the rap I listened to back in the day. I'm a, I'm a gangster, I'm just kidding. When we honor people, we are honoring the one in whose image they're made. Whose image are they created in? In the image of God. 
When we honor them, we're honoring the price that they were paid for. What was the price? It's the blood of Jesus Christ. Whether they acknowledge that payment or not, they have been bought. They just haven't went home with the one who bought them. They are made in the image of Christ. And sometimes we forget that, church, especially for those of different political lines, different viewpoints, different denominations within the body of Christ, that we're to honor regardless. Let God and the Holy Spirit take care of the rest. When we honor, we're honoring the one in who image they are made and for the price that they were paid. Amen. Can we do that as a church? that we honor up, down, all around, regardless. We honor when it's hard. We honor when it's easy. And I believe in your life because it's benefited my life in so many ways that it will unlock some things when we honor. But I also believe that we lock some things up when we dishonor. And so as we're looking here at our two-year anniversary, man, man, two years, Avenue Church, we've got some folks that have been rolling with us for a long time. I just want to take some time here at the end of service and I just want to honor some people that have made all of this possible because um, scripture says we're to give honor where honor is due. My wife and I couldn't do any of this without our parents. Uh, Mom, man, God love her. My dad passed away, man, it'd be 10 years ago next year. Uh, Jennifer and I would not be here if it weren't for our moms. Amen, right? Um, all the tears, all the prayers, things of which I would never know. Uh, Jennifer's dad passed away nine months before we moved here. And that was so hard. It was like, how do we leave her mom after just experiencing this? But he was such a cheerleader for us that not going would be dishonoring him. And then there's my pastor, my wife and I's pastor. He's been my pastor since I was 16. He was here the Sunday after Easter. Um, he's been in ministry longer than I've been alive. And I remind him that all the time. Um, he took a chance on a 23-year-old, 23, to be a youth pastor and travel to Dallas, Texas with 75 teenagers. Um, I get nervous traveling to Dallas, Texas with my two kids at 44, gosh. But he trusted me with 75 teenagers at, at 23, 24 years old. It was an incredible opportunity. So blessed for that. Now, the next year, I almost lost my job because we had some teenagers acting a fool and put a big hole in the wall and just doing some stuff they shouldn't have been doing. And so I got a call from, from the boss man. It's like, you either set it right or you clean out your office when you get home. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Um, he supported us this whole journey. Uh, it was a hard leaving there. And then uh, Levi and Caitlin, um, they're super quiet. They're always in the shadows making stuff happen. They moved here with us. We didn't invite them to. We didn't ask them to. They chose to. Um, known Levi since he was in kids ministry, taking him to kids camp and youth camp. And now we're starting a church together. And Levi and Kaylin, just thank you just for moving and doing all the stuff. And they're going to be parents pretty soon, which is just mind blowing. Gosh. Um, then our launch team. Uh, starting a church, you can't do it, but we knew no one. We had a handful of relationships, but we were starting from scratch, parachuting in. Um, this is the first picture that we took our first Sunday here at the Walnut House. Um, we've added a couple since then, <laughs> right? Uh, one of the crazy things when I talk to guys who have planted churches, 
one of the things they told us over and over and over is like, just be prepared for your launch team to leave after it launches. Because, and this is the term they use and I hate it, it's like some people are scaffolding. They come in, they help you get it put up. And then when the work's done, you take the scaffolding down and it goes to the next job. Um, most guys lose almost all, half if not all their launch team within the first year. We've lost like three of our launch team. And we've not just kept our launch team. Um, some of those launch team members uh, grew up <laughs> to become our coordinators. And it's one thing to be a lead pastor and think how you're going to do all this together. And they didn't, they didn't have a say-so on any of these pictures. Um, <laughs> and, and I show these, and some of them are comical because we're not just doing a hardcore ministry together. We're laughing together. We're having fun together. We're doing life together. Jolie leads our nursery team upstairs in an incredible way. Olivia was a part of my youth group and is now leading our teenagers. And Steve and Debbie, Mr. and Mrs. Grinch won the uh, Christmas costume contest. And then Chris, you know, Chris is, what well, I mean, that picture says it all. Um, over, <laughs> oversees our experience team, making sure everyone walks through the door and um, Aaron helping Jonathan lead our, our worship team. Can you go back to the others just so that, so that people go back to the other coordinator slide? There we go. Dale and Francie are not here because they just had a baby. Um, oversee our fresh start teams. And Matthew, uh, had an opportunity to work with him in Jackson. And he moved to Nashville about the same time and was going to another church. And I prayed him in. <laughs> I was like, prayed him in. I released him, but I was still secretly in my prayer closet. Lord, let him stay. Um, Jonathan on keys. He loves that picture. I remind him of it all the time. Um, and then Levi and Caleb, Jonathan and then Levi and Caitlin. Jennifer and I could not do this without you guys. Can we just give my coordinators a hand? You know, talk about bivocational pastors. They are bivocational staff and they work at Nissan. They're teachers, they, um, antique dealers. We've got a re retired guy. I mean, they just do all kinds of stuff to be able to serve you um, and to serve our incredible A-team. Come on. Um, our A-teams, we could not... A church isn't built on the gift of one person. It's built on the talent and the strength of many. And we launched Avenue Church with 35, 40, maybe 50 if I lie. <laughs> but we've got like over 80-something, 18 members that make church happen every Sunday morning from set up to take down to worship to wiping butts and noses in the nursery <laughs> to serving coffee. And, and team, I want you to listen. Like those aren't things that you're doing. Those are people that we're serving. And it's a God that we're honoring when we do that. And even if you're not on the team, if you call Avenue Church home, I thank you. Because you're here and your presence here, it matters. It makes a difference. When a guest walks through the door for the first time, they see you and you see them. And just the energy that you bring creates a place that everyone says... <laughs> creates a place that everyone says it feels like home. And that's what we want it to be, that, that anyone can be somebody, that anyone can be, can be a part of. And my wife has got just a couple of stories to share as we get ready to wrap up on the type of place that we, with you, along with the Holy Spirit, have been able to create. So, babe. We just asked a few people, like, why Avenue? Why 
make this place your home. And these are just some of the responses that we got. And it's all because of the people that you just saw up there making it happen. Avenue is where I was baptized and it's where I'm growing in Christ. I found friends. We have fun here and we're spreading the gospel. I came the first Sunday of Avenue to support my friends, the Moors. I already had a home church that I loved and I wasn't looking for a church. I was so thankful God had brought the Moors into my life and I wanted them to know how much I loved them and supported them. Neither of my kids cared much for our home church, so I also wanted to see if Avenue would be a church that both my kids enjoyed, hoping they would wanna be involved and could meet some people around their age. Both my kids have grown up in church, but church for them is a couple of hours on Sunday and nothing beyond that. Because of Avenue Church, I watched. I watched and listened to my kids become more and more excited about church and talk about it more and more. They both wanted to be involved in all of the things. My husband and I found ourselves excited about each Sunday. There's just something very special about this place. Pastor Stephen and the people here. What we thought would be an occasional visit for us quickly turned into our new home church. We had no intentions of leaving our previous church, but Avenue felt like home. Felt like home to us after the first visit, and we knew, that, knew this was where we were supposed to be. We are so thankful we came that very first Sunday to support our friends. Avenue Church has impacted my life in more ways than I can express. We met, connected, and launched in the middle of the hardest time that many of us have ever seen. Through all of the hard, I learned to love more, to have more peace, to feel true and deep joy, to worship despite any circumstances, and to have authentic connections with the best people. I know without a shadow of a doubt that I found Avenue because God knew what was coming and knew that this life-giving church would be what I needed. Avenue Church and the people made us feel like we belonged from the moment we arrived. Everything is real and authentic. People are truly cared for. The gospel is preached in such a relatable way. It feels like home. We are grateful that God has brought us to Avenue. It's been life-changing for us. And I can't, I can't forget, the lady was on the stage. She never gets up here. And so I just want to honor my wife. You know, they say behind every good man is a good woman. Well, I've got three incredible ladies, four incredible ladies with my wife and three daughters. And so just thank you, babe, for doing this journey with us. But thank you guys for making a place in this city for people to connect, not just to a community, but to give honor to where honor is due, to the one that we put our hope in, to Jesus that it's all about him. Avenue is a cool name, but Jesus is a greater name, <laughs> right? Jesus is a more powerful name. So can you stand up with us as we're to get ready to dismiss? Just remember that when we honor um, others, we're honoring the one in whose image they are made and the price for which they were paid. And maybe you're here today and you know, you've heard this, the greatest thing that you can do to honor God is to honor him with your life. Um, if you don't have a relationship with him, it starts just by saying yes to him. Um, he gave you his life so that you could live for him. Can we just pray? Father, we just thank you for this day. God, I thank you. 
uh, just for your incredible goodness and mercies that are new each and every single morning. God, your love that's unfailing. I thank you for Avenue Church and that Jennifer and I get to be a part of it, um, to lead it in some ways with some incredible, incredible people um, with hearts for your kingdom, not just building a church, but seeing lives changed, to see families changed, generations changed. And so God, I pray that there would just be a double blessing of honor and blessings of uh, prosperity and peace and health over, over the lives of, of everyone involved. Um, whether they serve faithfully, attend faithfully, give faithfully, um, God, just honor them. And if there's anyone in this room today that doesn't have a relationship with you, God, I pray that you're drawing them by your spirit even now. And God, knowing that whatever shame or sin or guilt that's brought them to this place, your love covers a multitude of sin. Um, and that you are creating in them even now a clean heart and a righteous spirit. That you are making them pure and holy, God, by the acceptance of the blood of your son, Jesus Christ, and the sacrifice that was made. So God, we thank you that we get to do what we get to do just to see lives changed for your name. Bye.